Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Brad Harbison, and my guest is Tim Madeer from the City of New Orleans Mosquito, Rodent, and Termite Control Board. And Tim is one of a trio of speakers we have for the upcoming PCT Rodent Control Virtual Conference, which PCT is hosting on December 2nd. And the two other speakers are Dr. Bobby Corgan and Matt Fry from Cornell University. And the half-day event is for anyone involved in rodent control. And if you register for the event by November 15th, you'll receive a free copy of Bobby Corgan's Rodent Control Book, which is a $26 value. You can learn more about PCT's Rodent Control Conference at 800-456-0707. You can also register at that, at that number. Um, you can also visit the website. We have a website dedicated to the conference, and that's rodentcontrol.pctonline.com. And again, you can also register for the event from that website. In the following podcast, we'll learn a little bit more from Tim about rodent control in Louisiana. And we'll, Tim's also going to preview the, his, his presentation at the upcoming event. Tim, thanks for joining me. Oh, a pleasure. Tim, can you tell uh, us a little bit about yourself and, and talk about some of the work that you do for the City of New Orleans Mosquito Rodent and Termite Control Board? Okay, uh, I'm a research scientist for the City of New Orleans, and I work on mainly rodent research now. I've been with the city for eight years. I came two years after the storm. Prior to that, I was with Terminex for five years, and prior to that, I did six years with another municipality's vector control program. Uh, and prior to that, my grandpa was a pest control guy. So as a kid, he had me and my brothers crawling attics and houses for him. So it just sort of came natural. But uh, what do I do for the city? Uh, I do a lot of rat research, like I said. Uh, we work mainly, we're concerned with vectors and diseases and stopping the, stopping the population from interacting with the rodents and getting these diseases. But uh, beyond that, we do a lot of industry product testing and a lot of work for the industry. And on occasion, we're even lucky enough to do some pure science and get out there and do behavioral research and look at other things that folks just overlook sometimes. And can maybe talk a little bit about what some of the work you're doing today. I mean, what type of rodent problems are you seeing in New Orleans these days? Oh, we deal with uh, uh, the big three, you know, roof rats, house, house mice, and norways. Uh, right now, it's funny, for a while after the storm, we had a real population shift. Before Katrina, New Orleans was a real Norway-heavy city. We had roof rats, but they were spread out all over the place. And we've been doing a lot of uh, population uh, dynamic work where we're trying to figure out exactly what was what's happened since the storm and we've noticed now uh, we're a roof rat city again uh, they are outnumbering the Norways in most cases but in the it's funny in the past six months now uh, it seems like our Norway population is back on the rise again they're showing up in spots where they hadn't been since before the storm yeah that's interesting. so we're working a lot on yeah. trying to figure out what's where and how to get rid of it <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'll come back to that in, in just a minute. But also, you know, it, again, talking about rodent control, can you give us an example of, of a challenging rodent infestation you've worked on and, and how you've been able to come up with solutions? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lafayette Square. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it or not. It's downtown New Orleans across from Gallier Hall. It's a very small park. It's uh, about one city block. But this small park is just overrun with rodents. I, boy, maybe I shouldn't say that one. But... uh. It is, and it's been a troublesome problem because is uh, once a week they have free concerts there on Wednesday nights. So a lot of people come out and they tend to throw their garbage in the bushes. There's a lot of high vegetation, and uh, we can't always get certain groups to work with us to, from the parks to keep the vegetation cut to the levels we want. And you know, when you have tall vegetation and lots of feeding, you get lots of rats. So uh, also we have a lot of dog walkers in the area. So we're very careful with rodenticide use in the area. 
so it's, it's challenging. So we've developed a program where we're going out and we do night trapping and we do do baiting, but it's all deep burrow baiting with hoses and done correctly. And there are no structures in the park really, so it gives a challenge when using bait stations because of the 100 foot rule, you know, we're kind of very limited. So that's where we're at and, and how we innovate with it. Uh, the trapping techniques we're using at night I think are pretty, uh, pretty cool in a sense. Uh, it's a page out of Bobby's book actually. We offer multiple bait options every time. And, but we go kind of crazy sometimes with the bait options. We'll open up a bag of garbage from one of the restaurants in the area and see what they're feeding on the most and bait with that. So uh, last night we were out and I was using raw leaf spinach and that caught the best. I caught 10 rats in about an hour on raw leaf spinach. I was only out for two hours, but uh, compared to we ran dog food versus spinach. I had uh, napkins with vanilla extract on them. I had some napkins with strawberry extract, and those performed too, uh, performed pretty well too. They outdid dog food, which dog food's usually a really well performer, and I'm using wet dog food. Huh. But uh, that's really yeah. my testing ground for new baits, and you, we come up with some pretty cool baits out there. Uh, yeah. Other problems we're having, I have a candy shop in the quarter that will remain nameless. Uh, and in the French Quarter, we have a large rat population as well because we have ships that come in constantly and they bring in a new shipload of rats to us every day. And, you know, with uh, anywhere where you have high numbers of people and high numbers of tourists plus incoming ships on the river, you're going to always have a large rodent population. And this candy shop is it's highly vulnerable because the buildings are very old and the, the bricks are falling apart, the wood's eaten by termites, so the rats are able to tunnel through it in spots and actually get through uh, things they can normally not get through. You know, some of those wet brick they actually tunnel through. So I'm using game cameras right now up in the attic to show me exactly what holes they're coming through so I know where to put my stations, where to put my traps, what holes to patch, uh, what works for a patch and what doesn't so I can see actually how they're interacting with everything we're using for pest proofing uh, and see how long it'll hold and if it will deter them. Uh, so that's a lot of what we're working on right now. They're the and, biggest and, problems we're working on right now. Uh, as for Lafayette Square, oh, another side note on that. That's on the parade route. So mm -hmm. carnival season's coming. So for two months straight, there'll be people out there almost every night throwing garbage down. And you can't really do good rodent control when you're getting people every night out there to 1, 2 in the morning throwing massive amounts of food out. You know, you the best rodent control is achieved through food, eliminating the food source, actually. Tim, you mentioned too. Sorry, uh, no, that's okay. No, uh, it, really, it's 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 great stuff. Really interesting work that you're doing, Tim. And you know what, Tim, you you mentioned earlier before that you know, you're someone who, you, you've worked in New Orleans prior to and following the flood of 2005. Yes. How has the flooding really impacted the the city's rodent population, or or has it? Uh, directly after the storm, uh, I was working in the area, not with the city yet, but uh, it's when I got on two years later, we still had the same problem. This was a huge issue with us. Uh, we had groups, uh, they were, God bless them, they were doing the good work, but what they were doing wasn't thought through. They were dropping bags of dog food and cat food on blocks for the strays to eat, and they'd yeah. just take a knife and cut the bag open and leave. Well, as soon as the sun went down, uh, the rats would swarm the bags of food, and they would fight the dogs and cats off to keep the bags of food to themselves. So it was really, a, you know, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, they had great intentions, but it caused certain areas to just get high numbers. And also after the storm, um, 
everyone threw out their freezers and refrigerators. Well, they didn't clean them out a lot of, most of the time, actually. They just drug them out to the street, food and all, and they sat for months. And this caused our population to really explode. We had a lot of trouble getting home. Well, it wouldn't say trouble. We had, it took a lot of time and energy to actually get the population down to a manageable number. And I'm happy to say we're, we're looking as good as we were before Katrina, honestly. In fact, in some situations, we're looking better. But like I mentioned earlier, it changed the population dynamic of our rodent species to a, to a large extent, you know, as far as Norway's now or in pocketed areas as opposed to the roof rats were in that situation before. And now we catch roof rats everywhere. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, they all survived it, though. A disaster like that is actually the best benefit to the, the rat benefits the most off of it. Yeah. You know, all this excess waste and good food sources and no, no one around to complain about them or to control them for, for a while. So it really took a lot of work and a lot of rodenticide and a lot of trapping. Interesting, interesting stuff. Tim, you had mentioned too, I think something will be of interest to our listeners was some of the work you've, you've been doing with game cameras to track rodents. How helpful has this technology been to you, and what advice would you give to pest management professionals considering, you know, getting into this line of work utilizing this technology? Oh, it's it's a great technology. Uh, they're easy to use, easy to work with. I'm a deer hunter, so I noticed on our game cams we were catching pictures of squirrels, and I said, you know, a squirrel and a roof rat in Norway, all very similar in size. Let me try it on them, and uh, it worked beautifully. Uh, the best advice I can give is practice makes perfect. It takes a lot of practice to learn how to get a good shot of them, and there's a lot of little things you just have to learn by trial and error. Uh, they're relatively cheap. The ones I'm using cost about $85, uh, and they're well worth it. I mean, I get amazing photos. I see exactly what I'm looking for. And if you're looking at it from a pest control uh, technician standpoint or a pest control company owner standpoint, it's great because you go back and show the customer exactly what's going on in their attic. You know, and it's a way to prove whether what's eating your bait a lot of times in the attic if you have a bait station. Is it roaches or is it rats or is it mice? Because some people aren't able to look for the gnaw marks or they're not trained enough to look at the bait. So you can't lie to the camera. I'll tell you what, mice are the most challenging, though. Uh, they are so quick. A lot of times all you get is a tail snap picture or something. So if you're working with mice and doing it, I advise find a run where they're running every night. Put a brick in it. And that's all you have to do, and is focus on the brick. They're going to stop every night at that brick. Stop, look over it, smell around, and then jump. So you'll actually get your pictures of the mouse like that. Because it took me a, a good six months of working with the cameras to get a great mouse shot. And all it took was putting an obstacle in their path. Uh, it's funny, the Norways and roof rats, uh, people have asked me, do, does it frighten them? Does it scare them or deter them from going to the stations and the traps? And I say, uh, maybe the first time they get their picture taken. After that, they smile for the camera. Uh, they'll look right at it. I've had them hang from the cameras. Uh, they approach them, but they go back to normal behavior very quickly. In fact, the Norway's pretty much ignored from the start. They really don't care unless they're right up on it. Uh, the roofers are a little more uh, spooky with it. But it's it's a tool that we should be using in the industry. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's something I. It's opening a whole new world to us that I didn't think was uh, that we'd ever get to a glance. You know, and few people get to see roof rats at night and what they're doing and how they act, especially as a family unit. Some of the photos I got this past summer are just amazing. But I could talk about that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great stuff, and uh, you know, we we just got got back from the convention, and uh, I know that there's a lot of a lot of PCOs really interested in some of this newer technology, and I think it's. Uh, Stuff that you're going to be seeing more and more in the industry. It's really good stuff. Uh, 
Tim, just the, the last thing I want to check with you on is um, we mentioned, yeah. you know, we, we look forward to having you as, as one of our speakers here in a few weeks here for the upcoming uh, virtual event. Can you give our listeners an idea of uh, some of the rodent topics you'll be discussing? Well, hopefully we'll be talking a little more about cameras and the usage of them as well as uh, trap placement and bait options because uh, that's something I'll, I want to talk about trap shyness too because that's something I've noticed that the pictures they paint a picture of trap shyness like you wouldn't believe okay I've had rats you can tell the rats that have never been introduced to a trap versus the ones that, that have seen traps before and interacted with them when they get to a tra uh, I'm in attics that are pitch dark not a single light and the camera puts out a red light which rats can see light but they're not it's not the same factor so he walks up to the trap and the camera's on him you know and he jumps in the air when he gets to the camera as if the camera uh, as if the trap snapped and these thing the thing is these traps aren't even set I'm pre-baiting these rats and they're coming to traps and they're refusing an unset you know jumping in the air as if they were injured so and I've seen the same reaction of bait stations which is really crazy you know they walk up to the station smell it and just take off the other direction uh, so that's something we need to look at because uh, I think it gets overlooked. A lot of people think trap shyness maybe is a myth or we're overplaying it when we talk about trap shyness, but really it is a large factor and pre-baiting is something we should be doing more. I know I understand time is money in our industry, but what does a customer like more than a handful of dead rats? <laughs> <laughs> right. It pays off in the long run. Trust me. I know I pre-bait. Well, I uh, can't talk about it too much. I won't have anything to talk about at the at, in the conference. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Um, well, Tim, I think, again, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we look forward to your presentation coming up here in a, in a couple weeks for the PCT Rodent Event Virtual Conference. And uh, again, that's going to be December 2nd. It's a half-day event featuring Tim Medeer uh, along with Bobby Corrigan and Matt Fry from Cornell University. To register for the event, visit www.rodentcontrolpctonline.com. That's rodentcontrol.pctonline.com. And again, that, there's more information about the conference and a registration link from that page. Or you can also call our conferences division at 800-456-0707. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and have a great day.